on this episode of Startup the Science. Hi, we are at Ionics. We are developing the next generation of batteries to produce high energy, high power batteries. We can reduce the charging time by 50% and improve the accessible capacity up to 200%. And this is without any negative effect on safety or the cost. The opposite, we can reduce the cost and make your batteries much safer. We are applicable to many applications. Right now we are working with the automotive, but it's not limited. It will be for any pack in the world. Our structures will be integrated in every pack in the world. Very welcome to Startup Science. It's really great to, to have you with us. We've been trying to get any earnings on this podcast for a while. So I'd like to start by asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself and, of course, your company. Sure. Uh, thank you very much, Antonia. Super glad to, to be here. Uh, my name is Moshiel. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Ionics. I have a PhD in materials uh, science, uh, focus on batteries. And uh, my background is also material uh, engineering from Israel and Israeli. And I moved to London uh, for my PhD. Uh, back then, it was a bit unknown how the battery domain is going to be in the future. I came from the semiconductor industry, where it was more established, uh, attracted more talent. And it was a bit a risk. People ask me why you want to go to a uh, battery. And it was just uh, the beginning of Tesla. And of course, today everyone understands the benefits and how this market is, is crowded and uh, exciting. And during my PhD uh, at Imperial College London, uh, when we researched a phenomena that caused to batteries to explode, and I researched that phenomena for more than four years, it was the, the cause of the explosion of Samsung Note 7. If you remember, uh, when we went to a plane, everyone told us, oh, if you have Samsung Note 7, please come to the stewards and give it and put it in a special box. So we were the, the first researchers, myself and my PhD supervisor, to look at this phenomena at real time. And we took it for very fancy uh, you know, equipment, instruments, synchrotron, lots of uh, those funky words. And we try to look on the phenomena in real, real time. And that was the first. And we published in the best journals like papers and our findings and results. And after four years of research in this topic, yes, poor guy, this is what I did for four years to look on the phenomena that caused the explosion. I realized that now I know how to control it. Now I can maybe take it and to use it to our benefits, to take a byproduct negative to something positive that can actually improve and make something good to the world. And I came to my PhD supervisor and told him about the idea. Usually there are, you know, academics, I used to admire them, I still admire them, try to find why things are not going to work. This is what people telling us in academia, to say first to find why it's not going to work. And first time in all the history, and I worked with them for four years, that they told me, you know, it may work. So for me, this gave me appetite for starting the company. 
And it started as a joke. I told them, you know, I'm going to build a company and you're going to work for this company. They started to laugh. And today, all of us actually running this uh, ship that calls Adionics. So your journey started in, in academia about uh, seven, eight years ago, I guess, right? That's when phones were exploding, if I remember correctly. Right. <laughs> Approximately then. And I love hearing these stories where it starts as a research project, but then it uh, turns into a company and a quite successful one. Um, and yes, it is also quite common that we hear that in academia, this period is more to figure out why things don't work and how to say no is how to say yes. So when uh, you decided to make this transition and to take the idea out of a purely academic setup and turned it into a company, what was what was your main motivation? Why did you want to do that? Was it, um, you know, to become a very successful entrepreneur and make a lot of money or are you more focusing on the impact your technology could have on the world and um, the benefits different industries could get from it? Sure. So, yeah, we got the inspiration during my, my studies, but it was just an inspiration, of course, to, to make it uh, happen and to make things like uh, looks real, something that you need to uh, invest lots of resources, uh, effort, energy. So difficult to do it while you are doing your research, part of your PhD. So I knew that if we want to take this idea forward, and it was a bit too difficult just to stand behind and to say, okay, we found, we got inspired of something like that can change the world. We cannot stand behind. We need to do something. And all of us are academics. So usually just to make money and to be successful, is not our first priority. We went to academia to research, to have like fundamental findings, understanding, to better know the physics, the chemistry, this fundamental phenomena. And for me, uh, it was quite clear that if I want to make a company out of it, and this is, was clear for me, I need to do it full time. And not only me, also my partners. You know, uh, there is no half pregnancy. Either you do something and you are on it uh, with all the energy. And for a startup, the risks are huge. So if you want to de-risk and to have more chances for your company to be successful, so we've decided to step out and I managed to convince. It was very difficult to convince my PhD supervisor to step out a very promising academic career. But uh, I promised them, uh, I would say, a better and greener uh, future with a greater impact. And I think uh, now these days, everyone is pleased about the opportunity. So it's super exciting for all of us. That's nice. So tell me a little bit more about your co-founder. So you convinced your academic team to come on board and, and join on this pretty risky startup journey. Uh, who's in your founding team? So uh, the two co-founders are Dr. Vladimir Yufit and Dr. Farid Tarif. When he asked Vlad, where he's coming from, we say from the former Soviet Union. And then he moved to Israel, he did all his degrees in Israel. Uh, later, he moved to London, to Imperial College London, where he used to be an assistant professor. And funny thing that Vlad wrote a proposal for the position that I, I got at Imperial. So I won the proposal that Vlad advertised. And for me, he was one of the, the best electrochemists that I ever dealt in the world. And Farid uh, is from London, originally from uh, Pakistan. So you can see that we are a super diverse team or super diverse uh, funding team. And uh, he's one of the best people, he's a magician. 
of modeling, simulation, image processing for a battery or energy devices. He also used to work at Shell, Alstom to develop these methodologies for the industry. And so I told you about seeing in real time what is happening inside the battery. So for we able to take those experiments and to turn them into numbers, details, and to run simulation that based on real numbers, so we can close the loop and understand much better how simulation can help us to save time, to uh, simulate the real world. So Farid is a magician, Vlad is, a, a, I would say, this professor that knows everything about batteries. And I was the delivery boy that uh, tried to uh, get things done, to find the right partners, the right like, uh, funds to make this company successful. And at the beginning, it was lots of luck, you know, beginner's luck. It was a competition at Imperial. And I heard about the competition and I told like to Vlad and Farid, like, I'm going to put you on the slide, just, you know, to get their permission that they will not be surprised someone will tell them that they're on the slide. And I went to this competition and I presented the, the concept, what we're trying to do, how to take like the phenomena and to turn it into a positive uh, aspect. And in the panel was like few uh, people, some of them like, professor from chemistry background, entrepreneurs, business people, and the chemistry professor, Professor uh, Richard Templer, because it was obvious for him. He actually are familiar with the phenomena. So why not to take it to the real world? But the business people realize that there is a good opportunity, but they ask, what makes me as a CEO of a company just finish my PhD? So how come you can be a successful CEO? And then I started to use the, the tools that I have from Israel. You know, you're a startup nation. Everyone went to the army. I was a sergeant in operation, turning like a courses. So for me, I was dealt with situation which is much more stressful than start a company. I was uh, in, in battlefield. So what is for me to manage few people in a company, a piece of cake for me. Was that your, your answer then? Is that what you said? Yeah, that's what my, that was my answer. And they started like, you know, in Israel, everyone was laughing and make fun of me. Everyone is doing that. So don't tell us the story. But uh, for me, it was actually, that's the truth as well. So it's not uh, something fake. I served the army. I was a sergeant and, and was in very intense situation. And able to conduct and to, to lead uh, very successfully. And I told them I have these managing skills. So the business people convinced they wrote a check of 60k euros. And then we started. From then, everything was so difficult. And we understand that it's not going to be easy as it was in the first meeting. But I told, I came back to the, my supervisor and told them, guys, we want a 60k. We need to open a bank account. We need to file a company. But at this point, nothing was paper, right? There was no settled. No, nothing. Just an just an idea. Did you have the the, the name? Was it called Adionics at that point, or was it just a an idea with no name? No. When we actually started to uh, we you know needed to file the company in the company house in the UK, and we needed to come with a name. So Vlad, as I told you, that is the. Super smart person, he came with a name. 
we actually think about the, the inspiration, what we found, what we can develop, what is the technology. And this is the abbreviation of the technology. So at Ionics, it's additive deposition from Ionics solution, which we are building 3D metals from aqua solution. It looks like, you know, the Terminator and magic, but we make it for real. And we're taking like liquid. There are lots of ions of metals inside the liquid. And we know how to control to make them connect together and to create a 3D structure. Okay, so let's go a little bit deeper into the technology since you've already started talking about it. Um, what we find interesting, because as you mentioned earlier, the battery startup space is crowded. There are quite a few startups in the world developing battery technologies. And one of the things we found very exciting about your technology is that it seems to approach things from a different perspective. There is not as much focus on the chemistry as there is on the physics of a battery. And I wonder if you can tell us a little bit more about that and explain it, um, maybe so that everyone can understand what that means. What does it mean that you're not focusing, um, I don't know if you're not focusing on the chemistry at all, but that you're focusing on the chemistry less and the physics of the batteries at the forefront of what you're doing? What does that mean? Sure. So actually, it's not all, only startups. It's all the world, like research center, universities, giant companies, startups as well. Everyone is seeking for this new battery that's going to help everyone in his uh, daily life. It comes from, from our smartphone, mobile devices, and of course, electric vehicles, uh, as the world is in this electrification revolution. And in the last, I would say, 20 years, 15 years, most of the focus was on the chemistry of the battery, the battery cell, if it's on the anode, on the cathode, the electrolyte. This is the energy the active material in your device so everyone was trying to improve the active material this is what bring you energy and the last uh, five years there is more focus on engineering but mostly in the manufacturing process there are also lots of trends and lots of uh, also buzzwords if it's going to be dry coating we are moving to new terra factories to make it at scale to reduce the price the cost is the main issue for the battery, at the end, battery is a commodity. If we want to move to electric vehicles or other devices that should be electric, we need to make it in a reasonable price. But most of the focus, especially for the big manufacturers, was on the manufacturing process. And they kept on the production uh, of the cell, of the structure, really, I would say, uh, similar to what exists in the last 30 years. So all the lithium battery, lithium ion batteries that exist today, their structure, like 90%, didn't change. We have the same architecture that invented back then in the 90s. Only today, Tesla are saying or showing these steps that they're going to focus also on the cell design. But even then, until now, they use the same design that invented back then in the 90s. So even Tesla, Thinking about that, but a bit late. Uh, when we started, uh, we were like one of the pioneers that uh, realized that this is the focus. Again, there are few companies that did it before us, so the architecture is important, and we believe that is the key to improve because there are lots of improvement on the chemistry. We managed to get into uh, some saturation, a steady state when we don't see a step change in the performance, and there is a clear need for the physics, for the architecture to be improved. 
So if you are focusing on, on the architecture, what are the materials, though, that you are using? So maybe to, to give you a, a better definition about what we do, let's go back a little bit about what is a battery cell and what a cell uh, consists of. So in a battery, you have two electrodes, separator and electrolyte. This is the basic components that you have in a battery. Each electrode consists of two components, the active material, the anodic material or the cathodic material, this is the active material, and the current collector. The current collector is a 2D metal foil, similar to the foil that you have in your kitchen. And this foil is flat, completely dense, and 99% of the batteries in the world are based on this component. And we, how the company evolved at Ionics, we first found technology, process to produce high quality, scalable, cost-effective metals at high resolution. So first we develop copper and then we develop other type of metal. And we ask ourselves, and this was the debating of the early days of the company, when we understand that technology is not enough, we need to come with a product. And as a battery scientist, that for us, batteries, you know, we did for a living. That was uh, our day today. Uh, activities, we understand that this component, no one is looking on the, the metal in the battery. It's everyone is taking that for granted. And we went to, to find like papers, research, and we asked ourselves, and we found that the many studies that showing the advantage of moving from 2D flat foil to a porous 3D uh, metal structure. There are many benefits, but this invention is remain at the, at the side. Not, it's not a mainstream. You don't see that. And the reason for that, because all the options to make those 3D structures were very expensive and not battery graded and not suitable for scale and for mass production. As you mentioned before, batteries, commodities, we need to make them at least with the same cost that it exists today. But the idea is not only to improve them, but also to reduce the cost. So if you are going to make, in, to make batteries more expensive, it's not going to be uh, relevant and attractive for the market. So thanks to our invention, our technology, we've managed to build an enabler to make those structures in a cost-effective and suitable for batteries to improve their performance. So that was uh, attractive for us. And we found, okay, that's the market that we're going to, to tackle first. So cost-effective is one element of it, and you mentioned that. Um, obviously, the other very important part is to make sure that they're efficient and they store energy properly and they deliver it when they have to deliver it. Um, the other part that I'm thinking is also quite relevant is how safe these batteries are, because we started this conversation by talking about phones exploding. It's much worse if the batteries of electric vehicles start exploding. So... Can you tell me a little bit about the safety aspect of your product? Yeah, actually, we just uh, published an article that emphasized uh, the advantages of our uh, safety using the 3D uh, electrode. Uh, we call it smart electrodes because we know how to design. We're running simulation, modeling, understanding how it's going to behave during the manufacturing process and during operation of the battery. Taking all this information, doing like reverse engineering, and going back to manufacture and to assemble this type of battery. So when we're talking about safety, we need to understand what are the advantages of 3D electrodes. 
So we don't have like a 2D multi-layer structure. So our structure is hybrid. The active material is integrated inside the metal framework. So we have a structure that helps us to increase the surface area to have much better contact between the active material to the metal framework. By doing that, we increase the adhesion, the contact between the materials. We are more suitable for uh, aggressive conditions. One of the reason for main reasons for degradation in the battery is the elimination separation. So in terms of mechanical properties, it's much more. And in our test, that the first test that we did, it was 14 times more stronger than conventional uh, structure. So it's more, 14 times you need to apply greater force uh, in order to differentiate, to, the, to separate the, the layers. So this is one reason. And when, of course, battery is separated, there is more uh, chances for degradation, failure, and safety issues. Another reason is e-dissipation. When you have a 2D metal, let's look on the anode side. The anode, you have metal foil, car, copper foil, which is very good conductor. Usually in lithium-ion batteries, you have graphite material. Graphite compared to copper is almost insulator. It's not conductor or good conductor scooper. So if the heat want to dissipate in the interface when you are generating lots of heat, the heat will actually move only towards the copper. So you will look on the graphite and we'll see a block insulated. It's not going through that. And if you have a 3D metal framework, the heat will dissipate it in three dimensions. It's not limited only to one dimension. Moreover, we can keep the temperature homogeneous. So the distribution is even along all the cells. And those hotspots that created in the interface or the areas that the heat is generated and not dissipated cause to some safety issues, uh, materials, uh, decomposition, and things that cause a problem. And if I'm going back to the Samsung Note 7 explosion, one of the main reasons for the explosion are dendrites. Dendrites are metal spikes, looks like the Christmas tree, and those spikes can penetrate the membrane. And when you have a contact between the two electrodes, anode and cathode, there is a short. Then thermal runaway, fire and explosion, especially when you have liquid electrolyte, which is very flammable. And those spikes are growing. And what we saw with our structure, they are more suitable for preventing and mitigating with the growth of the dendrite. So this is another aspect. There are a few other aspects which you are welcome to visit our blog and to find more about our safety. So in a nutshell, um, your batteries are, are leading to significantly improved thermal uniformity, way better mechanical stability from what I gather, and they're just overall better, safer, um, and they could be applied in a whole range of products. So if we go into that a bit, you already mentioned Tesla, and I wonder, maybe you can tell me if they are a competitor or if they're a future customer, or how do we view Tesla? Uh, but what are the, the applications that you guys are focusing on most at the moment? Because uh, from what I understand, your batteries could be used in all sorts of applications, from electric vehicles to consumer electronics, phones, laptops, wearables. Um, are you focusing on only some of these products or are you trying to tackle them all at the same time or how are you going about it? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, that's the million dollar question. What we should focus on, what verticals. So right now we are already working 
with automotive companies, with micro-mobility companies, with material companies to develop the next generation of batteries with different chemistries. All the idea is to show that we are not limited to one chemistry and the potential is huge. The market is huge. We are not uh, market uh, limited and not uh, chemistry or technology limited. And we are chasing after like a, a, a huge opportunity. So we are working with automotive companies and now we start working also with uh, consumer electronic companies, start to understand the value to build like samples that will be suitable for uh, this market. Uh, usually the auto to automotive market scales are long, taking time. And uh, we want to, to gain more knowledge experience and to transfer this uh, know-how into the automotive domain. We need also to get lots of know-how and knowledge on the manufacturing, how to do it at scale right now. We are doing that in a small volume. We want to increase the production volume, learning how to do it at the speed, at cost, yield that is necessary also for the to big volume application. Uh, and then uh, we want to have the ability to choose what is the most suitable for us as the company and then to, to grow and to uh, serve more industries as more the merrier. And as you're trying to access the automotive market, what are the challenges you're facing? I can imagine from what we know about this market that it can be quite slow. I mean, these are very large companies that you have to partner with that may have their own R&D, probably have their own R&D developing technologies in the space. As a startup, when you're trying to turn them into customers or partners, what challenges are you facing? So the, the challenges are are evolving and changing uh, with time and also the automotive industry getting mature with the understanding about their part in this electrification revolution. If three years ago when we started the company, we started to talk and said, oh, don't talk with us, talk with the battery manufacturers, they developing for us cells. Now they're starting to developing cells, battery cells by themselves. For them, it was a black book. The automotive industry, they look on cells, battery cells as a black box. They didn't know what is inside and they lost their ability to be the owner because the cell is the king. The cell dictates the performance of the vehicle and also uh, the cost is derived from uh, the cell. So now they realize, realize that. So the beginning, the challenge is to, to tell them, guys, you are going to miss the train. You need to be on top of that. This is the key component. You need to understand that without focus on the cell, without understanding or knowing what is happening inside, you're going to lose it. And we say that from the beginning. And now, uh, thankfully, and good for them that they're starting to realize that. So before I ask you to share with us your asks for the Enam Network and listeners of the podcast and what help you might need and what you're looking for. I have one final question that is more just a curiosity. When do you predict that we'll see electric cars only on the streets instead of the very polluting cars we see at the moment? Yeah, so it will be a transition. We can see that uh, today more and more models from the lead OEMs uh, in the streets uh, when all this transition is going to over. I think it will be sooner than all the 
expectations and the vision of uh, the companies. Uh, and it should be also together with, as you mentioned before, with government. So specific date is difficult to, to predict, but sooner than, than we, we think. So like 2030 or sooner than 2030. Still, we, le- we left you, you know, <laughs> details which are not the electric and it should be a transition. So in the next 10 years, we'll see hybrid and other type of vehicles. But uh, the, the goal is to move to full electric vehicles for sure. So as we're coming close to, to the end of our conversation today, I'd like to ask you to ask us um, how we might be able to support you. So are you looking for investors, partners, customers, or how might the listeners of this podcast be able to help you guys out? So first, we'd like to thank you for all your support and assisting us in the past and today. And I will recommend the other startups to use your uh, network and support. You introduce us to investors, to partners, potential partners. We had amazing insight and discussion uh, with uh, the interest uh, that you uh, suggested us. So thank you very much for, for that. And I think as every startup, we would like to reduce the risk of the startups. So any assistant that will be risk the many risks that you have already, it's blessing. So thank you very much. And we'll appreciate uh, this type of uh, further assistance. And we'll make sure to put all of your contact information in the description of the podcast. So if anyone wants to reach out for further questions or conversations, or if they have questions about your batteries, they can do so. Um, and yeah, if any startups are listening and they want to join our network, they're also welcome to do that. Thank you very much for being with us today, Michelle. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Startup the Science. If you'd like to learn more about our podcast, head to www.enum.berlin slash Startup the Science. You can also follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. If you'd like to leave us a message or ask us or our guests any questions, send us a DM or leave us a message on our website. We would love to hear from you. Stay tuned for our next episode. Coming soon.